Blog Talk Radio. Welcome back, you health renaissance people. Okay, today we're talking about healthy brain function and toxicities. And, and what does that mean? Well, when we look at how our bodies are designed to thrive on this planet, and that's the key, uh, if we're exposed to um, toxins, your body is already built to eliminate those. However, you're not designed <clears throat> to deal with the toxins from pesticides or processed foods or medication. This is overwhelming our systems. So what we're seeing is a massive rise in brain damage, dementia, autism, Alzheimer's. Uh, we're talking multiple, multiple neuro, uh, neurotoxic um, presentations. Uh, so let's look at this. And when we look at this, there's going to be a series of three different videos or talks we're going to do on healthy brain. First part is going to be toxicities. Then we're going to be talking about how to add nutrients in the system. And then we're going to talk about neuroplasticity. So, so, and that's how to regenerate the brain. So let's look at the brain and what kind of things negatively affect the brain. Well, processed foods, vaccinations, pesticides, medications, electromagnetic frequencies, sedentary lifestyle is toxic, dehydration, of course, you've got environmental pollutants. And the whole thing is if your body can ha or your brain can build up cells faster than they break down, beautiful, you have good healthy function for life. If you break down faster and you build up, you're sick. Now, I'm going to be speaking at CaliforniaJam.org, and this is this coming up February 14th through 16th. Uh, and they've got a great lineup of speakers. I recommend get on their um, website, CaliforniaJam.org, and uh, type in the code. And here's a code, Bergman20. That's Bergman, B-E-R-G-M-A-N, 20 and you'll get a discount on the tickets. That's kind of cool. Okay, and we also have our Puerto Vallarta in November. That's about a month and a half from now at the Villa Premier, okay, 14th through 17th. We're going to be teaching Friday and Saturday. You're going to have amazing time down there, and not only going to be teaching from 8 in the morning to 12.30, the rest of the time you hang out on Puerto Vallarta, or we just hang out. And this is going to be detailed info on brain function. So what is the brain? Let's just look at this. You're talking the brain only weighs 2 to 3 pounds. However, it burns 30% of the body's calories and 90% of the body's oxygen. It's always grown no neuronal connections. Uh, it controls every function of the body. And 96% of all brain disorders come from toxicity or deficiency. And even when you look at certain conditions, like have you ever heard of anxiety, um, bipolar disorder, depression, uh, schizophrenia, uh, impulse control, all of those are part or functions of the frontal lobe. And when you're talking cardiac and respiratory center, that's going to be more brainstem and cerebellum. I mean, the brain is vital. However, it's super, super sensitive to certain um, toxins. So when we look at what breaks down the brain, um, obviously chemicals, uh, you know, topical chemicals even, like sunblock and Purell can actually damage your skin, damage your brain. Pesticides, glyphosates. Glyphosates 
is now found in the water. It's found in the pro processed food. It's found in grain products, MSG, medications, vaccine. There's tons of toxins out there that your body has never been designed to deal with. Now, what kind of things build up the brain? Well, we have symmetrical movement, healthy fats, mental exercises, aerobic exercise is vital for brain function. Of course, the plant-based diet and deep sleep. So we're going to go over in this series on how to fix it. Uh, now, let's look at the blood-brain barrier. For one, the microenvironment inside of the brain uh, is really sensitive to changes. And so there's a barrier called the blood-brain barrier. And this is out of neurobiologic, uh, uh, Neurobiology of Disease. Great, great journal article. And um, let, me, let me read this. The blood-brain barrier is subject to short and long-term regulation, which may be dis disturbed in pathology. Uh, any program for drug delivery, um, target or avoid the central nervous system needs to be considered in, as special features of the blood-brain barrier. Uh, what that means is that, that if you're taking a drug, if it can cross the blood-brain barrier or if you want it to affect the central nervous system, or inadvertently if it crosses it and does damage to the brain. So I'm going to show pictures of what the blood-brain barrier is and a couple articles on how it works. But let's look at this. Um, out of nature medicine, the development, maintenance, and disruption of the blood-brain barrier. Uh, they talk about the interface between blood circulation and neural tissue. Uh, now, the main functions of this barrier is to maintain brain homeostasis, so re, um, with a regulation of influx and efflux transportation and protect from harm, there's multicellular structures. Now, uh, uh, let me go on to say, quote, we then discuss how the blood-brain barrier disruption can cause or contribute to neurologic diseases, and they examine the, how to this knowledge can be used to explore the possibilities of blood-brain barrier repair. Uh, now, we know that neuroinflammation, blood-brain barrier seizures and autism, out of the Journal of Neuroinflammation, uh, they, <laughs> and I like this, treating neuroinflammation um, uh, may be useful when anti-seizure medications are ineffective. Uh, no kidding. You figure an anti-seizure medication doesn't really go on to going after the, the problem or the cause. And in fact, many children with autism spectrum disorders, they present with seizure activity, but they're not looking at disruption of the blood-brain barrier, and that's the key. Um, see, when you're looking at autistic kids, 20 to 30% of them develop seizures with no underlying causes, uh, no obvious pathology, and figure the seizure rates in kids with autism is 10 times higher than the general population. So where could it be coming from? Well, <laughs> what they found out is mast cells. Now, children with mast cytosis, and mast cells are cells that are stimulated by um, an inflammatory process or tim uh, tissue damage. Now, <clears throat> mast cytosis, and these are from mast cells, 
figure substances originating in the gut or the brain can trigger mast cells to release mediators that can disrupt the gut-blood barrier and the blood-brain barrier, contributing to the pathogenesis of autism. And what they looked at in this article is that um, mast cells, and these are cells that, you know, when we talked about the gut-brain barrier, uh, they're released under some type of damage or stressor. Uh, now, what does that mean? All these implicate is that something is damaging the tissue, causing brain abnormalities. And we know it may be damaging the gut, it may be damaging, um, uh, well, it, damaging the gut can release the mast cells, and then this can negatively affect the brain. When we look at the Journal of Toxicology, one of the things they're talking about that can damage the gut and the brain is aluminum adjuvants in pediatric vaccines. And they even say it's a causal factor to increasing rates of autism. When we look at aluminum in Alzheimer's disease, and I love this, the Journal of Alzheimer's Disease, that's literally the journal, 2011, um, they say, is there a plausible link? And sure enough, what the, the research revealed, very small amounts of aluminum are needed to produce a neurotoxic, and this criterion is satisfied through even the dietary intake of aluminum. So this means aluminum pots, aluminum foil, none of that stuff is good. Now, aluminum sequesters the transport mechanism that actively goes across the, the blood-brain barrier. And so, wow, and when we look at Dr. Fundenberg, now this is the world's premier immunogenesis. Um, and he states that if you've had five flu shots in a row, your risk is tenfold increase in Alzheimer's. And why? Because of the adjuvants and the neurotoxins in there. Uh, when we look at the Journal of Microcirculation, blood-brain barrier permeability precedes senile plaque formation in Alzheimer's. And what they're looking at in Alzheimer's is they found um, placking of the brain. What they're now understanding, because the doctors used to think that the placking was causing it. No, it turns out that the placking uh, may be the body's response to um, to toxins being introduced across the blood-brain barrier. I know, isn't that interesting? Uh, then you look at uh, the Journal of Trace Elements in Medicine and Biology. Now, this was at a July 2018. And they're looking at, um, looking at aluminum doses in pediatric. Now, listen to the title of this article, Reconsideration of the Immunotherapeutic Pediatric Safe Dose Levels of Aluminum. There were no component safety testing study is required for vaccines or vaccine schedules. Uh, the dosing of aluminum in vaccines is based on the production of antibody titers, not safety science. Uh, <laughs> so you might think, well, wait a second. If vaccines aren't tested for safety, how are they tested? Um, well, one of the reasons I did, decided to do this subject is I was looking at this um, report on Malcolm. Malcolm um, Brabant is a, a real aggressive journalist and reporter. And this is one of the guys that go to Africa or, or all around the world to report on crimes and, I mean, really putting himself in danger. Well, he was on his way to, to Africa, and he got a yellow fever jab. 
and this instantly negatively affected his entire brain. And, of course, his wife brought him out of it. But this guy was suicide, suicidal thoughts, uh, spent weeks inside of an institution after the mental response from the yellow fever shot. I encourage you to watch that, but y you can find out how neurotoxic even one vaccine is. Uh, when you look at um, the Journal of Toxicology, what they found was that the aluminum adjuvant, and aluminum is in almost nearly all vaccines, okay, it's not in the live vaccines because those can initiate an immune system response, but the killed vaccines, it's in there. And this is to initiate an immune system response. And what they found in the Journal of Toxicology, it, the classic chemistry talks about the dose being the poison. Uh, that's not true when it comes to aluminum. The higher dose, the body understands to recognize it and get rid of it. In lower doses, such as with a vaccine, you have these cells called macrophages that can actually leave deposits in the brain. And the adjuvant size, um, since the injected suspensions correspond to the lowest dose but not the highest dose, neurotoxicity obeys the dose makes the poison rule of classical chemistry toxicity appears to be oversimplistic, end of quote makes so much sense. And even when we look at, um, people have known that aluminum is toxic and can be damaging inside of the vaccines. However, according to the Lancet Journal of Infectious Disease, uh, they talk about adverse events after immunizations with aluminum-containing DPT vaccines. And since aluminum is in most of the vaccines, and there is no candidate to replace it, uh, Lancet recommended don't study it. I know that seems crazy and it seems anti-scientific, but let me read this article. Quote, no obvious candidates to replace aluminum are available, so withdrawal from safety reasons would severely affect the immunogenicity and protective effect of some currently licensed vaccines and threaten immunization programs worldwide. Absolutely would, it would affect it. I, I I figure this when when I'm looking at doing the research, okay, and, and trying to come up with a subject, I delve into it, and and one of the articles I read, I actually read a court document on Bruchewitz versus Wyeth Laboratories. Now this is out of 2011, and this was like the the um, one of the deciding uh, court cases that definitively absolved the vaccine manufacturers of any liability. And what do I mean by that? That means they have a product that is now forced without even medical, in, medical consent or medical um, exemptions. There's no personal beliefs, no religious, and no medical exemptions allowed. And in fact, if you have a medical doctor that writes a medical exemption, um, they will, that medical exemption will be reviewed by the state authorities. And if they write five medical exemptions, they're damaging their community. So they'll be reported to their board. Um, honest to goodness. So I go back to 2011 and to read this article that is one of the, the um, impetus behind these laws that we have now. Quote, no vaccine manufacturer shall be held liable for a civil action 
for damages arising from a vaccine injury uh, or death associated with the administration of a vaccine after October 1st, 1988. Uh, if the injury or death resulted from side effects that were unavoidable, even though the vaccine was properly prepared and accompanied by proper directions and warnings. And the committee goes on to say, these products and the vaccines are unavoidably unsafe products. Those products which in the present state of human skill and knowledge cannot be made safe. End of quote. Now that blew me away. And then I started to think about it because reading through this, this entire Brushowitz versus Wyeth Laboratories, the judge had a really cool correlation. And think of this. Um, and you could look at all the drugs that have been put on the market and taken off the market. He says, look, the, if look, you look at vaccines compared with medications. Medications, there's always going to be a benefit and a risk. And the risk-benefit ratio is not going to be found out until you test it. And the problem is that when you compare medications with vaccines, Medications um, are monitored pretty darn closely for the effects, and they're monitored for years before they're opened up into the public. Where vaccines are monitored, their effects are monitored very, very shortly. And in fact, uh, typically a vaccine is thought to only affect one area or one avenue. So, like, let's say you're getting a measles vaccine. They're going to look for results of the measles, but they're not going to look for any other side effects that could be there. And the reason they're doing this is because they are such a great benefit at reducing disease that it's thought that they're not going to have any negative effects are going to be negligible and not even going to be looked at. However, when you look at um, Dr. Abby, who had been doing vaccines in West Africa for 30 years, uh, found out that the DPT shot he gave 30 years ago, they had a tenfold increase in death rates. So the vaccines are not really studied for long term. And hence, you get people that are not anti-vaxxers. They're people that are literally chaining themselves to the doors in uh, state capitals. And these are mothers of vaccine-damaged kids. And sure enough, uh, since it is uh, a product with no liability that's forced on the public now, with no recourse and no tort system, um, parents are getting really upset. And it's so anti-scientific. When you read Dr. J.B. Han Handley's book, How to End the Autism Epidemic, or Vaccine Peer Review Journal, you're going to see there's over 157 research papers supporting vaccine autism causation. And if you just look at um, it's one brilliant article. Now, this was published in the Medical Science Monitor 2004, <clears throat> and they compared an evaluation of the effects of the MMR immunization and mercury doses of thymiosol-containing childhood vaccines. Uh, and sure enough, they found out um, that it's determined a close correlation between mercury-dose thermosol containing childhood vaccines and the prevalence of autism. Uh, and they recommended that it, the thermosol be removed from all vaccines and additional research be undertaken 
to produce an MMR vaccine with an improved safety profile. We know that measles inclusion antibodies and cephalitis can be caused by the vaccine strain. That means literally inflammation of the brain. Um, and it, here, let me read this one out of the Supreme Court. And this is the Bruce Ritz versus uh, Wyatt Laboratories. Uh, indeed, the FDA has never spelled out in regulations the criteria it uses to decide whether a vaccine is safe and effective for its intended use. And the decision is surely not an easy one. Um, striking the right striking the right, um, drug manufacturers often could trade a little less efficacy for a little more safety, but the safest design is not always the best one. Um, the balance between safety and efficacy is especially difficult with respect to vaccines, which affect the public uh, as well as individual health. Uh, yeah, isn't that interesting? <laughs> so uh, w when you're reading this, you start to think, well, wait a second. So they know it is unsafe, that it could damage human beings. But since it may reduce infectious disease rates, we got to strike a balance. Uh, now, we know, okay, if you could sue for vaccines, we know there'd be a tremendous number of lawsuits. Because do you remember... Vendia or Bextra or Vioxx or Zyprexa, all of these are drugs that were approved by the FDA, were sold to the public, and we're talking billions and billions of dollars they made. Uh, these were all removed after harming thousands and thousands of people. You're talking the death rates um, for Vioxx was up to 139,000 people died. About uh, 1,400 died of Bextrin, 72,000 effects. So all of these pharmaceutical products that spent thousands of, of you know, um, actually millions of people it was used by causing thousands of deaths, and then it was pulled from the market. You know, if you look at the Oxycontin fiasco or um, Oxycodone, and this is the opioid epidemic. Let's look way back to the Purdue executives that were talking before Congress in 2001, saying, look, addiction isn't common, addiction is rare, and the pain patient is properly managed. Then what do they say? Um, the WHO, the World Health Organization, uh, <laughs> they want to give more opioids to the entire planet. And they say there's a need for greater awareness, uh, among policymakers, health professionals, and the public to dispel fear that opioid analgesics such as um, will produce harm to patients and society by causing dependence. We know this, and still the drug companies are saying that they're fine and safe. Uh, we're and tonight we're going to go over journal article after journal article talking about uh, the aluminum inside of vaccines, the, the neurotoxins in our environment that are negatively affecting our, our body. Just look at the brain has um, having to function in an extremely isolated environment, a microenvironment. And anything that crosses that blood-brain barrier can damage the brain. And, and anything that 
causes encephalitis or brain inflammation is dangerous. I mean, if you figure the, just the aluminum adjuvants alone, it's used in the hepatitis A, hepatitis B, the DPT-containing shots, influenza, pneumococcal vaccines. I mean, all of those have aluminum adjuvants in it. And we know that according to the, the British Medical Journal, um, pertussis immunizations and serious acute neurologic illnesses in kids. Uh, now, let me read from this. The first 1,000 cases notified to the National Childhood Encephalopathy Study were analyzed. They diagnosed encephalitis and encephalopathy, prolonged convulsions, infantile spasms, and Ray syndrome. There was a significant association was shown between serious neurologic illness and the pertussis vaccine, though cases were few and most children recovered completely. Uh, yeah, does that sound like a product you want to uh, inject inside of your kid with no, um, no recourse? Then we look at um, frontiers in cell neuroscience. We can look at the package insert of vaccines, and it talks about encephalitis or brain inflammation. So we now know, okay, that the neurotoxins, and this could be anywhere from hand sanitizers to medications to uh, drugs, we know that something is damaging and there's a connection between the gut brain. We only look at gastrointestinal issues in autism spectrum disorders. And this is a Harvard Review of Psychiatry in 2014. They're talking about, um, quote, moreover examining how the GI disturbances affect the brain and behavior in animal models for autism can reveal promising targets for development of the biomolecular diagnostic and therapeutics for autism spectrum disorder, end of quote. That's right. They're actually looking at um, gut-brain connection. Then we look at medication-induced dementia, <coughs> knowing that the average person over 60 takes 12 different prescriptions. We know that drug-induced mitochondrial damage can cause Alzheimer's, bipolar disease, migraine strokes, Parkinson's, TIAs, we're talking major neurologic damage. Um, so what's causing this? It's medications. It's treating your body with um, toxic foods or toxic drugs. Um, and again, we're going to go over article after article after article. And here, let me, I just found a, a duplicate article, so we're going to wipe this one out. Um, that's right, I'm actually going over the talk that we're going to do tonight, too. Uh, uh, polypharmacy in kids, and this is, should we be concerned, and this is out of Medscape. Can you imagine children? Uh, children, and in one in five children, uh, are taking one medication. That's 20% of our children are taking a medication for a chronic illness. Uh, one in ten take multiple medications for chronic illness. Should we be concerned? Absolutely. How about we just take a chill pill? <laughs> I know, a chill pill. When we look at brains, brains, and, and we're talking the orators. Look at John Adams, you know, died when he was 90, but, but healthy. You're talking Franklin, healthy, con contributing. 
all of these founding fathers that we had in their 80s and 90s healthy and contributing the whole way. When we look at the Greek leaders, okay, aging, dementia, um, altered brain function is not a normal um, uh, end result. Like as we age, our brain should be sharp, con correct, functioning brilliantly. If we look at the blue zones, and just it's so simple on how to keep a healthy brain. Uh, the nine lessons learned from the blue zone, regular, moderate physical activity. Absolutely, that gets the brain stimulated. A life perfect, stress reduction, moderate calorie intake, a plant-based diet, Okay, reduce alcohol intake. Okay, I mean, we're talking very little, and if you do drink, wine is ideal or clear alcohols, but moderate. You have to have some type of spiritual or connection, engagement in family life, social life. All of these things are fantastic. What they're missing on the blue zones is these people did not have um, a huge amount of vaccines or pharmaceuticals interventions. And when you're looking at vaccines, they're typically only um, checked for their effects on that specific disease. Let's look at how we're designed to thrive on the planet. Start doing a plant-based diet. Make sure that you get your nervous system checked so you have a clear connection to the brain. Um, if man makes it, you don't eat it. Get sufficient rest and prayer and meditation. Go to the Extreme Health Academy. I totally recommend if you have had are concerned about brain health or getting your brain functioning correctly, that is going to be the key. And sign up for our Puerto Vallarta trip in November 14th through 17th. Uh, we're going to be covering a lot of this stuff in great detail. This is Dr. John Bergman, your health advocate. God bless you, and I love you. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.